Hey friends, and welcome to episode 27 of From the Middle. I'm Melissa, and I'm here with Sam. Hello. And we're um, missing Chelsea today. She has a sick child and out-of-town husband, so she's MIA uh, at the moment. She says hello to everyone. She'll be back next time. Um, But in her place, we have unbelievable middle school teacher, dean of students, just educational goddess extraordinaire, Kim Campbell. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I like that addition. I, well, I thought you might. I thought you might. I ask my students to add that when they say, hey, Miss Campbell, a.k.a. Goddess. Goddess Campbell. <laughs> I like the ring of it. I, I think it's too. fantastic. Yeah. Too. You should have them salute you as well, or maybe a, a royal wave to go with that. Yeah. 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 I, feel really, yeah. I feel really good about that. As do I. So, Kim Campbell, um, we met you in Nashville at AMLE. And we're just blown away by, we, Sam saw all of your talks, I think. I saw two of them. Well, because I was also a dean. I went, so I went, I'm also a dean of students. So I went, uh, I went to the last one as well. Cool. Yeah. I I geeked out hardcore. I made everybody come. Oh, (laughs) listen, listen, this is what happened. So we, she went to your first session about engaging boys. Right. And she went with our friend and colleague, Colonel Eisen, who you may or may not have traumatic memories of. And they came back and we went to lunch. And I had the misfortune of sitting in between them. And all I was like, listen, I cannot handle this. Like, y'all are stressing me out. What is going on? Who is this woman? I've got to leave. I'm sitting at a different table. But as soon as I went to the next session, I was all on board. I said, okay. I get it. But they were killing me. They were so loud. <laughs> and it was just like, just wow. I, it was mania. And they were just all in. I love it. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we've just the statistics and stuff that you shouted and about engaging boys and things that we could do. And or as Colonel Eisen likes to say, young men, he hates, he hates right. them being called boys. <laughs> yeah. But taking some of that stuff back, I mean, even just instantly at lunch and saying, oh, my gosh, look at all these statistics. And he was drilling them on, well, how many, you know, how many people do you think have been suspended? Right. Uh, you know, all this stuff. And we just, I think they were annoyed until they, uh, they came to play along to your next session and they loved it as well. Oh, that's so nice. I'm so lucky, oh, right? Good. I mean, I, I'm still in the classroom. I get to also be kind of an administrator um, and I get to hang out with great educators all over the world. And so I'm just, I'm just really fortunate, really, really lucky. Well, you are really incredible and have so, your message is just extraordinary. So we have lots of things we want to talk to you about today. And we also know we have to be, we want to be mindful and respectful of your time. So specifically, we don't just want to talk about boys, but you, you talk a lot about engaging boys. What, what started your research on that? That's a great question because um, what happened was I was, I, I got a class that I had, I believe 28 students in the class and 24 of them were boys. No, ma'am. Yeah. It was an eighth grade class and it was just like, wow, you know, I, things, I have to do things differently in here. And then I went and listened to a guy by the name of Leonard Sachs, S-A-X, and he's written some things. And I just thought it was fascinating what he was talking about. And so that kind of just kind of spurred on like, oh, this is interesting. And so I started to try things in my class. I don't know who it was more painful for, you know, me or the four girls that were in there. (laughs) Bless their hearts. Right. right. But we, we, I learned a lot that year because I learned that we need a lot of movement. Uh, We need a lot of debating. We need a lot of hands on. 
And yet I was really intrigued by like, if I could have removed those four girls, like put them somewhere else, what else we could have done too, because of, you know, as well as I do in middle school, right? I mean, kids come into class and they are so self-conscious and they're always worried about who's looking at them and who's, and I kept thinking, my goodness, if, if it was just an all boy class or an all girl class, could you go deeper at things? Mm-hmm. Um, but I never got that opportunity. I've never had the opportunity. I would love to, but that just kind of sparked my interest because I either had to change or I wasn't going to make it right. Cause oh, yeah. you know, yeah. It, it's just different. And so I just started to do a lot of reading about it and was intrigued by it. So yeah, that's how it started. I completely agree. We started doing, we used to have a private school. So we had tried for a couple of years to have PE and which is offset with Bible. And those were gender classes. Mm-hmm. So all girls, all boys. And some kids loved it and some kids hated it. Yeah. yeah. Um, although, you know, I teach English and I've always thought it would be really cool to have all girls or all boys just because of the novels that you could choose to do. Yeah. Um, and the questions and the things that you could do differently. I mean, I guess I could do that within my own classroom. It just makes it a little bit harder. Right. Right. Yeah. I mixed classroom. Yeah. You know, I think that, um, you know, there's this thing called bridge brains mm-hmm. and bridge brains are basically, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but basically what it is is that you have some girls whose brains are more wired like males and you have boy brains that might be mm-hmm. wired more like girls. And so just, just splitting boys and girls into two groups isn't necessarily going to work. Like for right. myself personally, I'd do much better in a boy class than I would in a girl class because uh-huh. I'm a hands-on learner. I'm a debater. I'm a person who has to move. I'm, right. you know, and so it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, if we truly valued education, like our politicians tell us we do, you know, and, and value the future of our leaders, you know, you would have every class would be a female class, male class, and then a class with both of them and the parents would pick, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. know their children better than any of us. And so, so it's, it's complicated. But I will say that the movement piece for me is the biggest, the biggest eye-opener, I think, that I, I, I talk about for all kids, not just boys. The thing is, is girls can sit longer. They can do it longer. And it's not that it's good for them, right. but they can do it longer. And boys can't without it becoming a problem. Yeah. So I talk a lot about movement. Lots yeah. of the movement. We both went to your session on move them or lose them. Right. And immediately, I, I think probably 10 people on our staff were in that session and immediately came back and started implementing it. Yeah. I, and it is, you do see, I can't think of the word, but very quickly you see results. Well, yeah, you are absolutely. moving them and you are engaging them and you are changing your approach. And it doesn't take, and I think this is what, this was what was sort of um, a mind shift for me was that it doesn't take some massive thing. Sometimes it's just get up, walk around for 20 seconds. Do, you know, it, okay. it can be very small shifts that you're making that make a significant difference for them. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Hey, I took back, we did um, rock, paper, scissors with their feet. Oh, yeah. My kids love it. It's like one of their favorite things to do when we, you know, need a brain break. Or um, I do your partner thing all the time, except I use um, book characters. Yeah. And and they love it. And they'll ask, like, well, can you, we haven't done this character in a really long time. Can we do Katniss Everdeen? I said, sure. (laughs) We'll find your Katniss Everdeen partner. And then they do. And they love it. I know it. 
They love it. They love it. I, I, I think for me, the thing that when teachers are willing to take a risk and do this and move away from, um, how do I say this, that I have all this content to cover yeah. and instead move to how am I going to get the kids to learn this? Then that helps them make that shift because I can, like I've said in all my presentations, I can cover anybody's content. It's another ball game for them to learn it. In order for them to learn it, their brains have to be at their best capacity. And and like, you know, Marsha Tate says, when the butt goes numb, the brain goes dumb. And what we're finding, what I'm finding now, even in my own classrooms now, is that I'm a believer that what the cell phone has done to our children is created children that want instant gratification. Yeah. And with instant gratification, they can barely sit still without having to be entertained or whatever the case may be. And so we've got to constantly be moving them all the time to help them keep their brains stimulated, which is for us veteran teachers that have been doing this a long time. It's, it's frustrating for us at times. Like, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, I've got a lot of stuff to tell them, you know, and (laughs) right. They're Don't not- you want to listen to all the things I have to say today? Right. Right. <laughs> Don't you want to sit and just absorb all my wisdom? <laughs> right. right. Yeah, so I can't I- imagine why not. <laughs> right. So movement is a big, big piece of the puzzle for me. What so- do you tell a teacher that is, like, scared to get that started? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you have to start very slow, and you have to know your kids, and you have to also be willing to always recognize that every behavior that you have – is a form of communication in some way. And you also need to know that you have to be willing to teach behavior as much as you want to teach content. And that's a huge paradigm shift for many teachers. I mean, I have, you know, a teacher that says to me, you know, I signed up to teach, you know, science. I didn't sign up to teach behavior. But with middle school kids in particular, we have to be willing to say, I'm going to teach behavior as much as I'm going to teach content. And then be willing to reteach what you expect and then give them chances to practice. You know, you and I, all of us know the best compliment we can ever get, ever get from a kid is when they look at us and say, is class almost over? Right? Absolutely. We know or that, that was so fast. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and then when they ask us in like May, like, when is this class over? You know, that's <laughs> code for, you're killing me in here, right? You're right, killing definitely. me. You know? So it's, um, teachers have to start slow. But kids will under- recognize that you are trying to do something that they will enjoy. And like you said earlier, they can stand up, turn around twice and sit down. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do all kinds of different things. Because when kids have fun and they connect with you, they'll, they'll behave and they will, you'll go further and deeper in your content than you ever could have imagined. Yeah, sometimes they don't realize how hard you're pushing them and how far you're pushing them and what you're getting them to produce. Correct. When you're engaging them in different ways. Right. They don't even they don't even realize it. Right. Right. Yeah. Amen. That's where the magic happens to right. me. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You um you said something a second ago about, about connecting. Mm-hmm. And I know you talk a lot about building relationships. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some of the what are your best relationship building strategies? Oh, that's a great question. Well, first of all, I do a community builder in every classroom of every day. So that's one way that I do it. Um, another way is that I'm a firm believer that in the um, that I will give a chance, I will give every child a chance to get it right. 
And I think that um, unless it's a major, I mean, yeah. of course, if a desk goes flying across the room, <laughs> it's not like, oh, let's try to get that a little better next time. <laughs> you know, so it, it, I'm always willing to give the, the child the benefit of the doubt. And I'm also willing to forgive. I'm, I, I can forgive very quickly. I don't hold grudges. And every day is a new day. And so when I think about connecting with kids, every kid I see in the hallway, I say hello to. It's a simple thing that I do. Um, every day I start with a community builder, like I said, and then talk, have a little bit of a share time, what's going on in their lives. Um, I try to figure out kind of what they're doing, um, in their lives so I can connect with them. Um, I use a lot of humor, you know, but not everybody is funny, but there's... <laughs> not everybody's as funny as you are for sure. That's true. <laughs> well, you know, there's YouTube clips you can bring in, you know, of, of funny things, whether it's cat videos or whatever it is. <laughs> You know, you can you can find ways to connect with kids because one of the things that when I was doing that stuff a lot about boys that I don't talk a lot about, I don't know why, is that, and I think you would agree that men love people who have sense of humor. Mm-hmm. You know, young men do. They, they, they Look how they interact with each other. It's always mm-hmm. joking with each other, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So those are things that I, that I do. Um, but I write postcards to every one of my kids. Um, during the school year, just thanking them for being in my class and giving them a positive compliment. Um, I call parents when I need to. I do some things down here called caught being kind, and I'll give them a card. I'll tweet it out. I'll call the parent. I give them some uh, free sandwich. So, you know, you know what I'm going to say in this next part, right? Because I've said it in my speeches many times. You know, your content will never be more important than the relationships you're willing to build. It's, it's just that simple. And yeah. for teachers that, that take the time to build relationships will have less discipline problems, they'll have more fun in their class, and they will enjoy the work that they're doing. And I'd like they, to give you a standing ovation right, right now. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, you know, it's, but, but what, what is interesting, though, I think, is that many of us that can build relationships with kids pretty quickly, we forget that that is like a gift that we have that we can do. And we just think everybody else can do it. Like we have to teach our teachers how to connect with kids in some yeah, way. And I don't, and I don't think that that is ever explained. I, I don't know. I, I don't, there's not a single methods class you take in college that right. says, Hey, you're going to have to know a little bit about a lot of things yep. to talk to them about. Right. Right. No, no one, no one teaches you that. Correct. Correct. And some people get that naturally and some people do not. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think that people can do it. Well, I think one of the things that I run into, especially like when I speak is, you know, people will come up to me and they'll say, you know, well, I can't be you. And I don't want them to be me because middle school kids can sniff out a fake in a matter of oh, seconds. Absolutely. But you can take anything and make it your own. Right. So relationships don't have to look like my type of relationships that I build with kids. But how do you connect with kids? And that's a really important question um, that I think we don't, you know, every administrator says relationships, relationships, relationships. But then they don't necessarily tell us how we go about doing that. It's kind of like parent phone calls, right? (laughs) Call a parent. When have we ever had a lesson on how to call a parent? Yeah, or emails. Right. Right? How to... I had a phenomenal mentor teacher my very first year of teaching, and she walked me through and taught me how, how to respond and engage and communicate with parents. Love it. I, but I certainly didn't get that in college. Right. 
No well, professor feel, said, feel, here's how you do this. Well, Why I not? feel like a lot of those things you're not taught, you know, when you're going to school to be a teacher. I feel like you're kind of thrown in the lion's den a little bit your first year and expected to know a lot of things that nobody ever teaches you. You're taught right. how to teach content, and that's pretty much about it. Yep, yep. And even how you go about teaching content now has had to drastically change. You know, and if our colleges don't adapt and change, we're going to continue to get new teachers, like you said, just thrown into the lion's den and be like, oh, and some will figure it out and some won't. I think that's why the numbers on teacher burnout are so high Yeah. because you get thrown in the deep end and you don't have a clue how to deal with some of the day-to-day realities of what life as a classroom teacher looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because they're not all going to be sunshines and uh, sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> right on. My fourth block today was not a sunshine rainbow. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you there was a thunderstorm that came up. And, you know, it was not the most, you know, we made it, but woo <laughs> You know, so aren't, but those, you know, aren't those the worst days? And then sometimes yeah. they'll do something and then they make you laugh and then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what I will say about that is that, you know, one of the things that I try to talk about, because, you know, I play both sides of the fence. You know, I'm a teacher and I'm also a dean, you know, so I'm kind of in this. I can talk to teachers and I can talk to administrators. And one of the thing that um, I, I really try to encourage my teachers to always think about, like I had to do today fourth block, was at the end of the day, it was tough. The kids were pretty good, but I could tell they I was losing them in, in, with engagement. And I could have easily pointed the finger outward and said, you know, they, they're not being compliant. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. They're, you know how we can, all the litany of all the descriptor words we could use, right? When in reality, that finger needed to be pointed into me. And the lesson that I planned today was way too much sitting mm-hmm. and having to regroup and understand that the behaviors I was seeing was my responsibility. And that's hard. You know, now I'm not to say that there aren't times where there's kids that no, this is, right. is not working, you know, but um, we got to be willing to point the finger inward a little bit and say, hey, what can I do differently? And I think that's hard. We don't always want to do that. Right. Especially yeah, when you're a veteran teacher and you you feel like, what? it's not me. I know what I'm doing. But sometimes it is. And sometimes we have to be willing to learn and we have to be willing to make changes and say, that was, I did it today, actually. Something the first time I taught it, I thought, all right, that didn't work. And I changed it the second time. Right. And I'm not trying to say I was great or anything, but I realized in that moment, I got to make changes right now. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that we have to be willing to do that. And that's not always easy. That's not always easy. I always called my first class of the day, my guinea pig class, because I'm like, I always felt bad for them because they're always going to be the ones that I try something for the first time with. And then you're like, well, that sucks. You know, that was terrible. Like, I'm going to have to do, you know, change it up for the next class who gets a better version of it. Right. I know. (laughs) First period's terrible. Like, my coffee hasn't kicked in yet. Like, I just... It's too early. Like, we should just not have first period ever. They're half asleep. Yeah. Oh, like, that's the other big question. When are we ever going to get on the bus that, like, starting class or school later Later? for school kids? Yeah. What are we doing? I will say something about movement that we have implemented this year for the first time ever is that we added recess. Yes. For middle school. Way to go. And it's been... I mean, overwhelmingly have we gotten support on that from both parents and kids. Like, the kids love it. And they yeah. have other options. They don't have to go outside and play. They right. can 
choose to have an extra study hall. They can choose an enrichment class. Yeah. They want to take like drumline or something like that. They're more than welcome to. Yeah. But most, the two thirds, would you say, Melissa, of our kids choose to go outside and play. Love it. And I feel like it's helped a lot. That's right. Right. What would you say, though, because we have had some naysayers. So what would you say to the naysayers about recess? That they're too old, they don't need recess. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you can look at all the research of of kind of what I did in that boy session. Um, you know, that that article out of, I think I shared it with you, the, the I think it was the Washington Post that had this article that said, um, want to raise successful boys. You know, science says do this. Teachers won't do it. And it's all about that that not moving kids and they did this study out of Finland and they did these studies where when you literally do not move your children, you are physically harming their body and their brain. That, um, that's how important movement is. You know, I, when you look at, I mean, right now they're saying, right, that we struggle to, um, find enough, um, young people who are, who qualify for the military and mm-hmm. it's because they're completely out of shape. Right. That are we have we don't see kids playing in the neighborhood anymore. They're in the house right. doing video games. Um, all those things that exercise is critical for brain development, for your body, for all those things. You are never too old to not be exercising. And so I would ask the question of the teach of those teachers that are kind of naysayers, like um, say more about that. Like, tell me why you don't think exercising and having fun is good for the brain. I mean, look at China, right? I mean, China does these exercises every day before they get started. You have Finland who does a 15 minute recess after every 45 minute um, lesson. I mean, people are, are realizing how important that is to do. The biggest challenge we have, and me included, the biggest challenge is that when you live in a place like I do where it's cold, you can't go outside, right? So finding the gym space to do that. And then the second piece is we have a tendency as teachers to, when we do a consequence, we of course want that consequence to be felt. And so then it becomes, I'm going to take away the recess. Yeah. And many times that is hurting the child even more so, particularly if it's a boy or a girl that has ADHD. Right. You, it, you, they're, they're not just going to sit and be quiet and then come in and be this model student because they had to sit out a recess. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, that's, that's not going to happen. I mean, as a dean, there are many times I take kids into the gym when they're having meltdowns and we play basketball and we shoot basketball baskets until I can get their amygdala in a place where we can have a conversation about what the heck is going on. Yeah. Right. So that's brilliant. That's actually really smart. So yeah, you take, I, that, take that note. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've done that. Sit-ups, push-ups, walk around the building with each other just to get that energy out. Um, because we know, right, that when a child gets upset, the first part of the brain that activates is the amygdala. And then that's where their thinking stops. It doesn't go to the prefrontal cortex where they can, oh, should I do this or should I not, right? And they say it takes almost 90 minutes for that amygdala to get completely calm. And there are two things you can do with that. One is you can get them some exercise. Exercise will help. And two is water, right, to bring down that cortisol hormone. You know, and then for us, it's vodka. But that's, you know, another thing. You know, <laughs> we, right. have a, we have a coworker. Our friend Allie sends, um, when kids need a, a break out of her room, she sends them to the fountain of positivity to oh, go get some water. 
I'm writing that down. Yeah, that they can they can come back in once they've once they've had a few drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. And she says it works, which I, I mean it just cracks me up. I think they're just, you know, they're eighth graders and they're hilarious and they're just like rolling their eyes at her. But go have go have some <laughs> go some water from the fountain of positivity. <laughs> But sometimes you do, you do, they do need to just go walk it off for a minute. Oh, right. absolutely. Just, right. just go take a break. Go get some water and come back in in a minute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When those kids get the giggles, you know, the kids that literally cannot stop laughing. Right. Like, no matter what you say, and they just keep going and go, like, they just can't stop. I'm like, okay, stand up, walk outside for a second, collect right. yourself, come back in. I know it. <laughs> That's what makes teaching middle school so much fun, though. You oh, know, yeah. things happen. Oh, for sure. Oh. They, know, they know how to sideline me like no one's business. Right. On purpose. Like, they'll find things that they know that interest me. Yeah. And then 15 yeah. minutes later, I've realized that we are not doing what we were supposed to be doing. Yeah. Okay. I got another question for you. Yeah. So, we didn't, we heard you talk, you give a whole talk about boys yeah. and the movement and relationship stuff. Um, what are your thoughts on girl drama and mean girls? God. <laughs> God. I'm drinking now. <laughs> right? It might be the only solution. You know, that's the million-dollar question I think everybody has. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and I have done some reading on it. I do. I have done a couple sessions with it. I haven't done it in a long time. Some of the things that, that we have tried is right now we have a group of girls. There are about five girls, they're, and they're really, really tough in our school. You know, they're not engaged in school. They're not, um, they probably have some trauma. Um, and so we start every single day with one of our paras leads a circle with these five girls. And in the circle, did you get enough to eat? Um, what's going on? Trying to give them a check-in place to try to, you know, to then go out into the school day and, and try to be a student. But when we talk about the mean girl stuff, I think what's happened to us is that two things. The mentality that girls will be girls needs to stop, mm-hmm. just like boys will be boys needs to yep. stop. We as older women need to say, well, I survived middle school. They too will, because things are different now for our young girls. The social media and the cell phone has changed the ball game mm-hmm. in a way that we're losing children, literally. Literally, yeah. Yes, children are choosing options that are just horrific to because they can't take the pressure and so one of some of the things that you know we've we have tried is whether it be a, a girls leadership group, whether it be our counselor leading a book study on mean girls and then watching the movie Mean Girls together. Um, I have seen schools that start the year by separating the boys and the girls, and the girls get a whole talk about what's called relational aggression, mm-hmm. which is basically mm-hmm. what we as women do to each other. You know, we get mad at our friends and then we get our four or five of our friends to be mad at that person. You know, all those things are happening. And what we what we try to teach our girls is what these layers are in there. Like who, you know, and I hate to use the word queen bee. I, I don't I don't prefer that because I just don't like to be, you know, the queen. I try to call that individual um, a, a negative um, leader or a negative influencer. And there's always one in the bunch. And what's interesting is that when I've done some reading on it, they have found that many times when you have a, uh, you know, influential negative leader that they're taking after their mother, that the mother is significant in that. 
And so when I was doing some reading about it, I was like, well, wait a minute, what's that mean? And like when, when mothers talk about their girlfriends, when mothers put other women down the way they look. And one of the things that I read too that I thought was really fascinating too was that um, the what they say for women in particular, particularly married women, right, is that many times our young people, both boys and girls, see mom and dad or mom and mom or dad and dad fight, right, argue, but they don't see how they go about making up. Now, it needs to be appropriate, and you know what I'm talking about, right? But I mean, you know, but it needs, but they don't, we don't see that. We don't model that for our children where all they see is mom not talking to dad or mom not talking to mom for, you know, two days. So those are the behaviors they pick up that that's the way we, you know, that's the way we argue, right? Instead of being, having children watch us, we had the argument. Now we're all going to sit down, mom and dad, we had an argument last night and here's what happened. And now, Here's how we went about solving this. So modeling that for our young people, particularly our girls. That's brilliant. I've never even thought about Me that. Either. Right, right. That you know, you're exactly that, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's a lot of modeling. You know, I think I don't know if I have this right, so please don't quote me. But I want to say somewhere I read somewhere that right now, uh, parents who have children are spending face to face time with their children eleven minutes a day. Oh my gosh. That, wow. that they, that we're doing, you know, like, I mean, even yeah. like, you know, come down for supper. I don't even yell up the stairs anymore. I text them, Yeah. you know, so, you know, remember back in the day when they used to talk about how having meals together was so, yeah. that's still yeah. significant. That Absolutely. is still something that is significant that people need to do. But when we go back to talking about mean girls and things like that, it's, it's, it is the hardest thing. And I imagine for you too, that I deal with as a Dean. And mediations, restorative conversations, um, outside mediators, bringing the family in to mediate, and they cannot let it go. Yeah. You know, it's, and that's... Well, I think that's your difference between girls and boys, you know. You, yeah. You'll have boys who will, you know, get in a fight and they hit each other and then it's over. They've right. solved their... It's been resolved and there's their resolution and they can be best friends right afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas that, that tends to not happen amongst girls. Yeah. Yeah, we'll hold back we'll hold grudges. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, what? what is that? Is that something with our brains? Or is it the way we've been socialized? Like, or is it a combination of both? You know, I, I, I'm not sure what what the answer is. But it is definitely something that is really, it's, it's it, well, we went through it too, right? But we could, at least could shut it off. Yeah, we could go home and we didn't, it didn't continue on our phones and in our, I mean, Correct. I went home and probably yeah. played with my sister and didn't, didn't think because, about it. Because for the most part, people would talk about you behind your back or to your face, but that's where it stops. Yep. I mean, unless yeah. they called your landline, like, you know, and your right. parents could have picked up the phone. Like that just didn't, nothing else existed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now they have unlimited access to each other and it's right. concerning. And they do things secretively and they can hide behind a screen. Mm -hmm. But I do think that we need to be more deliberate in working with our girls. Um, what like this group we have in the morning, like eventually that we're hoping that it'll, it'll move into, you know, how do you become a strong leader? You know, all those types of things. Um, but I do believe that we have to figure out how to um, connect with our girls and model for our girls that, 
we don't need to act this way. You know, one of the things that, you know, if you think about when we, you, when you open it up and you talked about the suspensions, you know, we suspend our boys at a much higher level, right? But our girls roll their eyes at us, flip their hair at us, might even put some stuff on social media, and yet we don't address it. Yeah. Right? Like, like, we don't send them to the office when they roll their eyes at us. Some of us don't even call them out on it. Oh, so, I do. Yeah, good. <laughs> you know, because girls are being trained, right? That that's how I handle conflict. I think sometimes I have uh, less tolerance for for girls than I do the boys. Right. Yeah. No. I. It's. I don't know, but it is. It's definitely tough. Um, there's no doubt about it. And, and there have been cases, and I'm sure you've had them too, where this thing just keeps going and going and going, and our mm-hmm. boys have moved on within. 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) They're done. Right. Yeah. I don't know. So, but yeah, it's tough. It is. Well, I know we need to um, be respectful of your time this afternoon and we'll let you go. We have one last question for you. Oh God, this is going to be the best one. It's the best (laughs) one. So what would you tell your middle school self? (laughs) (laughs) What would I tell my, like now, like if I was a middle school now? I would tell them that it's going to, back in the day. Uh, well, <laughs> I would say um, it's going to be okay. That um, just like if I could redo middle school, I would be a little better student, and I would you know know that I was trying on all kinds of different personalities to try to figure out who I am. Yeah. But that um, just trust that it's going to you're going to get through it, and there is light at the end of the tunnel. Because this is so tough for all of us, you know. And that's why we need teachers who truly, truly love middle school kids and recognize that this is who they are. So I'm just lucky I landed where I did. Well, so are we, actually. We are better for it. Um, Can we please be friends forever? All I want to do is sit and talk to you. Like, if you just... Let's do this again tomorrow. I just, I think you are so brilliant and so funny and fabulous. And just thank you for the messages that you have and for your willingness to share them and spend time with us today. There's not enough words to say thank you. No, and we really hope that you do come to Atlanta. We'll, yeah. Yeah, we'll take you out. Atlanta a lot. I go through Atlanta a lot, but thank you for what you two do, right? This is great to get, and I'm happy to put you in contact with other people you know, that you want to visit with um, to help this thing grow for you because I think it's really important. Well, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, you have, uh, you have fans for life in us. Yep. So. Thanks. Um, give, give me an air hug. Oh, absolutely. Oh, hug it out. I love it. <laughs> okay, keep doing what you do, and I'll see you. Are you going to Maryland next year for the AMLE? Hopefully. Hopefully. All right, I'll be there. All right. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Thank Thanks, you. Kim. you Bye-bye.